Okay, it's Sunday, it's Valentine's Day, and welcome to the second most romantic place on earth. It's the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, episode 46. Uh, I'm joined tonight by the lovely Rob, the lovely Tom, the lovely Mark, and I suppose the lovely Steve as well. Uh, lads, good evening, how are you all? I am good. I I'm not hungover for once, which makes a nice change on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Monday mornings are for, Tom, when you're working, that's what Monday mornings are for. Mark, uh, good evening to you, or is it good morning where you are? It's evening and it's freezing cold. Excellent. Get the central eating on, mate. Get the central eating on. Steve, making your debut on the pod, also known as Quentin X. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I mentioned this being the, the second most romantic place on earth this evening. Uh, for you, where's number one? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you tried to get me on here for about a year. Remember the, last, <laughs> the first time you tried, I was on a golf course in the Lake District. Uh, the second time, I think it was in Blackpool up the tower, and the third time I was in Croatia. So you, you finally got me in my own kitchen. So congratulations. Yeah, the excuses are getting more and more fantastical every single time. So <laughs> there comes a point where you've got to res- you've got to give in, I guess. You've got to give in. Right, brilliant. Well, it's it's lovely to have you all on, uh, and hopefully we'll have some some wonderful Bolt Wonders based chat and, and tangents again, as we're known for. And um, tonight's podcast is uh, is all about. The club, obviously, we're going to be talking about a variety of issues from uh, the passing of Chem, the Phil Gart side this past week. Very sad news. Um, the defeat away at Brighton, uh, less sad because we all expected it. Um, we're going to finally put to bed the debate about Liam Feeney, officially slash unofficially. Uh, then we're going to talk about QPR coming on Saturday before we move on to the Twitter question of the week. Um, just before we start, we're just going to dedicate the podcast to Phil Gart side, uh, like all of them. Uh, a very, very fine Bolton Wanderers fan and, and someone, obviously, that's going to be missed by all his family, especially. So, Phil, thank you for the memories and uh, we'll move on and talk about life as a Wanderer. Um, so, everyone, feel free to chip in whenever you think I'm wittering on far too much, which won't be too long, I'm positive. Um, but we're just going to talk about Mr. Gartside just to start off uh, in tribute as best we possibly can. Um, as we've said, as everyone tends to know, um, he, he was born in 1952, joined the board at the mere age of 35 in 1988, becoming chairman just slightly over a decade later in 1999. Uh, we all know again that he appointed Big Sam. He oversaw the glory years in the Premier League, which were, which were numerous, um, before things took a bit of a sideways turn, a slash downward spiral, terribly spiralling, um, appointed Sammy Lee, Gary Meggs and Owen called Dougie Freeman, of course, Neil Lennon. Uh, he'd been ill for a little bit of time, um, passing away, unfortunately, due to, to cancer. Um, this Wednesday just passed. I'm going to go to each of you in, in turn and feel free to, to go on at as much length as you possibly can. But I'll start with you, Rob, as your your name's first on the old Skype thing. A nice little picture of you as postman, Pat. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Phil, Phil Gartside's Bolton Wanderers legacy. Um, how, how would you describe it? And, and do you think that he's that the final few years tarnish what good came before? But tell us what you think. I think they probably have. Yeah, I mean. Throughout my time of following Bolton, it's probably the glory years, um, with Big Sam um, getting into Europe, um, seeing teams like Arsenal, Man United come to come to the Reebok and really struggle to beat us. Um, I think he he was behind, he was kind of like a figurehead for that era, and it's obviously very sad news that he's moved on. He, he's uh, he's passed away. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll remember him for the good years of having Big Sam in charge and being in the Premier League for 11 years, um, which I don't think any of us really saw happening. So um, that's my memory of him, really. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Tom, same question to you. Um, I mean, you'd be lying if you said that it wasn't tarnished in the end. But um, like like um, everyone said, basically, uh, when I started supporting Bolton Wanderers, I can't really remember, but I know we were in Division 1 at the time, well, the Championship, and uh, I never thought then that I'd see us play European football. So I suppose in that sort of sense, you have to give the guy some credit. And just from reading stuff online this week, uh, it just comes across that the guy was basically just a huge Bolton Wanderers fan at his heart. Aren't we all? Uh, Mark, I guess it's slightly different from your perspective. I guess he, he's probably been the only Wanderers chairman you've ever known in your time supporting the club. That's right. I mean, I started supporting the club right in the middle of the glory years, right in the heart of Big Sam's reign. And so I've only really known the good times and the most recent bad times with him. And I do agree that 
the recent trouble times have kind of tarnished his reputation, but I think in the long run, it'll be a footnote more than anything. People will remember the trips to Europe instead of getting relegated. Yeah, I, I, I sent to air on that side as well. Now, Steve, um, I'm just going to hand the floor over to you completely and feel free to, to go into as much detail, as little detail, that the floor is yours. Well, I think um, from um, the few articles that I've actually written on the website, um, my opinion of Phil Gartside is, is someone that I can, you know, I blame primarily for the for the state that the club is in at the moment. Um, without one of trying to highbrow the conversation, I'm not going to come here to praise him. You know, I'm here to bury him, like uh, like in Julius Caesar by Willie. You know, I started, I started supporting Bolton in the in the mid eighties. Uh, you know, in the the second year we I started supporting them, they went down to the fourth division. So I've known worse times than we currently are in. You know, I've known weeds growing out of the Burnham paddock. Um, so you know, the Norman superstar in the in the core of the ground. So it's um, it's it's an interesting thing. I think first of all, I'd like to say that you know, it's, he died horribly, horribly young. And I think uh, since the new year has passed, you know, we've lost quite a lot of people that uh, that are well known in this country. You know, David Bowie and Alan Rickman and Terry Wogan, and they've all died comparatively young to the age that they should really have died. And it came really quickly, I think, with Phil Gartside, and nobody would really want that to happen to anybody. And I think that um, there are certain people, especially on Twitter, that uh, that said it was a smokescreen for anything that was going on at the club. And I think that's an horrendous thing to say for anybody. I mean, you can have your opinion about Phil Gartside and you're free to have them. But to think that anybody will make up an illness just to get out of the club, which some people said on Twitter in November and December, was absolutely horrendous. And I think some people should hang their heads in shame. When it comes to the club itself, um, you know, it was good times. We all know the good times. Um, I don't think anybody would have thought that the, the day we got promoted at the Millennium Stadium, that we will go on European tours, that teams would fear coming to the Reebok Stadium, that, you know, people, that Ferguson, Wenger, Mourinho, you know, would make up excuses for the way that we play football. And I think we all know that, um, that it started going sour when, allegedly, as Big Sam said, Garside refused to give him funds for an extra striker. Now, be that as it may, it did start the downward spiral. It was big Sam leaving, uh, Sammy Lee being appointed as manager, um, and Phil Garside saying that, uh, that Sammy Lee was a, was a better manager than Sam Allardyce, which was laughable when he said it, and was even more laughable three months later when he fired him. Um, then to appoint Gary Megson, who, you know... Gary Megson was, was the manager of Leicester when they were in League One. And if you think about Leicester now and where Leicester were when Gary Megson was manager and he came to us from then, I mean, even Leicester, Leicester supporters were, were paying a taxi fare for Gary Megson to come to the Reebok. Um, he wasn't wanted. Phil Garside backed him. Um, it, it was a reprehensible appointment uh, to, to my mind and there were, there were a couple of good times with, with Gary Megson but really he should never have been appointed there should have been another manager there were plenty of other managers out there um, he made the fans choice with Owen Coyle uh, it turned out to be a bad one uh, and then it went further downhill with Dougie Friedman and, uh, and now obviously Neil Lennon the, the financial aspect as well um, anybody who knows anything about money, even if you've got a bank account that's £250 overdrawn, um, will tell you that it's your fault, really, most of the time, if you go overdrawn. To go £180-odd million pound overdrawn and then to say, well, it's all owed to the owner, so it's going to be all right, it's still a debt. And it was a smokescreen that Phil Garside put up month after month, season after season. He should have gone a long time ago. Um, Chairmen of companies who have got into a situation that Bolton Wanderers have found themselves in have long been sacked by other by owners or the or the board themselves. There's a weakness about the Bolton Wanderers board that kept Phil Gartside in the job that he was in. 
to an extent, you can understand that as a Bolton fan, he wanted to right the wrongs that maybe that he did. I mean, you know, as I saw the every Twitter thing that went on about him being a lovely man, a Bolton Wanderers fan. Nobody really had a bad word to say to him about him from, you know, from Neil Lennon himself all the way down to Stuart Holden, even Campo, JJ, your joker, Nicholas and Elka. They all said the same thing. He was a football man. He was a lovely man. No one had a bad word to say about him as a football man, as a Bolton Wanderers supporter. But I'm a Bolton Wanderers supporter. No one will give me an open checkbook for £180 million. So, you know, I can't defend the man for what he's at, for what the, the, for the way that the football club has turned out. But obviously I can defend the man for the journey that we had for the three 11 years that we had in the Premier League. And there's always good times and there's bad times and Bolton Wanderers will rise again. We may have to go into administration, we may have to get relegated. But as Leicester have done and as Southampton have done, you know, you can always rise from the ashes. And once that happens, the bad times will go because that's always the way it happens when people die. At the end, over the years, you remember the good times and you forget the bad times. And it is an amazing legacy that he did do for those 11 years with, with the club because we are a small town club that no one can ever have imagined doing what we did and the amount of hate that people had about us because of what we did. And it's amazing to me now thinking about... Leicester City, a town about the same size as Bolton. I mean, I'm not geographically minded, that might not be right. But, you know, can you imagine if we were winning the Premier League, people backing us and being their favourite team? It's unimaginable. But we were that time. We were that team. We were that town. And we were the trailblazers for teams like Leicester and Southampton, you see. So, and, so there's good and there's bad with Phil Gartside. And... In time, we will, we will only ever remember the good and forget the bad. Fair enough. I think that's, 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 yeah, uh, can't really complain with the way that's been put at all. I know from my point of view, he's always very decent to me as a person. Um, and so it's difficult for me to separate that with the, with the football. So I'm happy that you've used your distance to perhaps go into a bit more depth than I was unable to do. Um, so yeah, his legacy—it is what it is. I mean, the good times were great. The bad times are fucking terrible. They remain terrible. Um, however long they last, I'm going to try and focus on the good times because they'll uh, they'll provide some much-needed separation from the the, uh, the crap we're currently going through at the minute. But I thank you all for your opinions. I'm sure there'll be plenty of debate out there, you know, even into the future as to what his legacy will be. Um, okay, fantastic. Well, we'll take a short break after that little mini-mini segment there. And we'll come back in a minute or two and we'll be going through the results at the weekend, the 3-2 reverse away to Brighton and Hove Albion. Bear with us, we'll be right back. Okie dokie, welcome back to the Pod 46. Uh, right, at the weekend, Bolton managed to contrive defeat from the jaws of a draw, yet again, uh, as we lost 3-2 against high-flying Brighton. Um, Rob, as the official LOV attendee of this game, uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Let us know what you thought of the game. Uh, who stood out? Who didn't? <coughs> Feeney, and then we'll uh, we'll chip in chip in on various points on the way. All right, I'm gonna have a bit of a whinge, but I'm gonna start by saying that no, right no, in the fourth no. in the league, and we had a right, we had a centre midfielder playing right back, and a centre back playing left back. I presume for the first time in his career, and we actually defended really well. It was really weird. We like our defence actually played quite well, and we conceded three goals. But um. I mean, Brighton started off on top, absolutely dominated like the first 10 minutes and scored. Um, was, I don't know if you've seen the goal, but it's a terrible goal. <laughs> it's basically a long ball through the defence and the guy just walks through and scores without being challenged or marked or anything. Um, so then from that moment on, I thought we were going to get absolutely battered. But then, lo and behold, 11 minutes later, Emil Heskey went and scored. Um, it's actually a really good goal. It's a really nice build-up. Feeney actually did something quite good. Um, Fed Silver knocked the ball in and Heskey scored with a massive deflection, admittedly. But um, yeah, I think every time I've seen Heskey play, he's scored. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that says. Um, I think <laughs> well, that's twice. Like, that twice. <laughs> three times. Yeah, it shows I'm a shit fan and that he's not scoring very often. But um, but yeah, we we came into the game a bit more, but then Brighton kind of seized control again and got back in front before the. Before half time, 
Um, just another bit of rank bad defending. Um, gave a ball away midfield, they broke and scored. Um, then we got back into it after half time. Jay Spearing scored again, second goal in two games, which is good to see. Um, it's a pretty good goal, actually. Good strike by Spearing. But then Feeney went down the other end 10 minutes later, clean through one on one, and just hit the ball straight into the goalkeeper's chest with the whole goal to shoot at, which says a lot about Liam Feeney. Um, and yeah, they, they, they broke down the other end immediately. Um, I think it was Thomas Hamed who, um, who went round Amos shot and uh, Dorian DeVete got back and cleared the ball. And Dorian DeVete actually had a pretty good game, which is pretty unheard of. Yeah, very, very hard to believe. <laughs> so I think actually DeVete um, um, deserves a mention. As does Rob Holding. I thought Rob Holding was exceptional yesterday. Um, didn't do a lot wrong. Couldn't do anything about the goals. So, um, but yeah, um, but Brighton moved back in front. Uh, Mark Davis had an absolute... I don't know what he was doing. Got the ball on the edge of the box. Stood there for about 10 minutes and just gave the ball straight to the guy who played 1-2 and scored. Um, but yeah, I mean, we played all right. We played. We had patches of decent passing. Um, but it's just the midfield. Basically, the midfield just gave them three goals. And didn't really... They didn't really get forward to help Heskey as well, which was the biggest problem for me. Um, there's just no support for the lone guy up front. When you're doing that, you've got absolutely no chance of winning, have you? So No. How did Clough get on when he came on? Um, to be honest, he didn't do much. Um, he had one run where he got the ball out on the left, ran through a few... went through like three or four players, um, and then there's just no one up front with him, so he just lost the ball. Um, they kind of played him in a weird position. He was... There was no one on the left wing. They took Silver off to bring on Clough. Um, and that sort of, that meant Mark Davis had to go on the left wing. Um, and he can't really play there. So there was, no, there was no one going wide on the left. And then Liam Feeney wasn't playing wide anyway on the right. So there was just, yeah, I think Clough, Clough had a bit of a thankless task yesterday, to be honest. Um, I thought Heskey played quite well up front. Um, started off very slowly, but kind of grew into it and won his fair share of aerial battles. Um, well, I think the main culprits yesterday were Feeney and Davis. I think they... Feeney needs to need, he either needs a rest or he just needs to not be playing. Um, uh, preferably the latter. Um, yeah, I think I know which side of that argument I fall. <laughs> yeah. And I don't see why we're not playing Kane Woolery, to be honest. I think if you just, even if you just give Feeney a rest, put, Feeney, uh, put, put Woolery on, uh, he's got a bit more pace. Um a bit more direct than Feeney as well. Um, I think he needs a rest, Feeney. He's played every game this season. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I obviously didn't go to the game, but it's, uh, it's interesting to see the response on the internet afterwards, people who, who did attend, uh, giving their complaints, and there were complaints about Feeney. And we'll talk about him a bit more later mm. on. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, you mentioned Mark Davies. I know Tom has got a, a few opinions on Mark Davies, which you can uh, you can inform us on uh, momentarily. Uh, I wanted to ask as well how, how did Holding play at centre half? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. Did he have, have much chance to sort of move forward with the ball? Because I think he really he really um, excels when he's doing that. Not much, no. But he did it a couple of times. He kind of he stepped out of defence and then played the ball out. So I think it was Mark <laughs> Davis in midfield. Um, he looks really good when he does that. He looks really composed on the ball. Um, and yeah, I think he's going to yeah. be a really good player, Rob Holding. Agreed. Um, it's interesting that we, we failed to bring Stephen Dobby on and we lost the game, Rob. Is there any, uh, any link there? Uh, there must be, yeah. Um, the Dobmeister must be our lucky charm. Um, mm. And, and Woolery, <laughs> Woolery didn't come on until five minutes to go as well. Uh, Were you a bit surprised by that? Very it surprised. So late in the game. It just seemed completely pointless. Leaving, I mean, Feeney was doing absolutely nothing. So just, And then he took Silver off. Every time Silver got the ball... Either they kicked him or he he went past them and put a decent ball in. Um, but he somehow took Silver off with 25 minutes left and kept Feeney on. It didn't make any sense, to be honest. But, um, I mean, Woolery came on and he looked fairly bright down the left. He played on the left wing, which is odd. But, um, yeah, he looked fairly bright. Um, there, was one, there was one attack where he had loads of space down loads the left. Um, and didn't really make the most of it, but... Yeah, he looked he looked sharp and quick, but he had like four minutes, so yeah, not much of a chance. Fair enough. Well, it's good to see the ninety-five-year-old Emil Heskey getting a full ninety minutes in the uh, <laughs> in the in, instead of Kane Woolery, who could maybe actually bring about some change. But that's by the by. Right, let's go back to uh, to to Tom. Tom, 
Mark Davies, uh, I, I noticed you, you called him a fraud earlier on on the internet. I would uh, like to, uh, to, to quantify those comments. Um, yeah, I would actually. Um, Mark Davies, never has a player uh, promised so much and delivered so little. I remember his debut against Spurs, obviously, was an amazing performance. And yeah, we've seen flashes of that. And this season, I was really looking forward to seeing him get a run of games. And he has done, he stayed fit for once. And like. I remember watching the Rotherham game last week, and it's not even that he had a bad game, but because he actually came into it quite well in the second half. But I remember watching our midfield in the first half, and I, I just, I was just watching Mark Davis, and I was just, think, I, I just didn't see what he offered to the midfield because he's the sort of player you want to take the game by the scruff of the neck, and he he just does that on like it's so rare that he actually does do that, and um, I just don't think he's playing for Lennon anymore either like um, ever since that transfer fell through I just like, I just don't think his heart's in it I agree with that he looked well, like that yesterday as well um, I mean you're used to seeing Mark Davis go on the ball and drive forwards and run past players for fun but he wasn't he didn't do that once yesterday um, the only thing he did do was give them the third goal He's always one of those players, Mark Davies, where he's obviously, his qualities are obvious, but you'd struggle to think of maybe two or three games, that even in the six or seven years he's been at the club, where he's, he's really dominated and, and been the standout player. Um, Steve, I'll come to you on that particular one. Do you think Mark Davies, is, his heart's in it, or do you think he's having a bad run of form, or, or how do you think he, his, his Bolton career will, will be looked at in, in hindsight, should he leave this summer, as we all expect? Yeah, I think he showed. I mean, he's obviously one of the highest earners that the club has got anyway. So um, that will help the club, him leaving, whether it be on a free or whether it be for a transfer or not. I can't remember um, a run of games that Mark Davis has made where he's where he's made a massive impact on, on that run of games. You know, once or twice, maybe. But for the for the guy that, that was bought and for the... Um, but the amount of rumpus that was made about it at the time, about the fact that we almost we half inched him from Wolves more than anything else, um, I think he's he's not lived up to the height that he was brought in on. Um, he's he is probably the highest profile player that we've got. Um, if you think about teams that may welcome in for him, like lower lower levels of the Premier League were looking at him. So I think it would be it's it's easy to. To talk about him as a, as a player that should be should be performing at a higher level, either for us or for an, or for another team. But the, from what I saw yesterday, from the from the from the, from the little highlights that I saw on um, what we laughingly call the football league tonight show on Channel Five, um, the, the, the goal, yeah, it just looks like his his mind's not on it, his heart's not in it. He's, he's you know. The, He's one of our better players, so if you, you should really keep him in the team just for the fact that he can produce something once in a while. But for the for the level that we're at and what we actually need, he should go in the summer. Yeah, agreed. And to finish the Matt Davis discussion off, Mark, do you think he can ever re- hit those heights again, or do you think his uh, his time here is up? I mean, it's all well and good saying that he could be a Premier League player one day, but he, he was very very publicly up for sale in January and it was it was Sheffield Wednesday who came in for him sort of up, upper mid-table in the Championship not Premier League I, I don't know I think it's a tough one with him because like you guys said he did show so much promise and but then you watch him and he never really had that final ball he never provided those goals that he probably should have he's a guy that loves to run at the defense but can't do much more past that he might be able to beat a guy here or there but he was never really going to provide those assists or score straight from his run. I like him in the team because he does at least drag players to him, and we need as much help as we can get, especially in that. But I, I'm not sure he can be a Premier League player unless he really, he really just steps up all the way again. I would agree. I think that ship's maybe sailed, but uh, but I think his time at Bolton will probably come to an end soon, and we'll look back on a career of, of what ifs rather than uh, than actually thinking back to moments that that did catch the eye and, and seasons and games that he did dominate. More's a pity because he really does have, have all the ability in the world. I'll keep you on, Mark. I want to talk to you as our uh, our resident goalkeeping expert, so to speak. I've not seen you play goal, but I assume you're a good goalkeeper because you've got all the gloves and so on. Uh, ben Amos, is he, is he back on form? Do you think that his, his wobbles of the last few weeks are over with? or uh, you know What do you think about Amos in terms of comparing to, to recent goalkeeping 
uh, goalkeepers that have, have held that number one jersey, the likes of Lonergan, the likes of Bogdan, etc. Um, do you think he can get back to that level himself? And, and how do you think he ranks in that that sort of company? Over the last few games, he's been really good. I mean, if you're talking about like Rotherham, uh, MK Dons and Wolves, he's put on some good performances. It's nothing like the Sheffield Wednesday game or the Huddersfield game, for example. Um, but he does have, to me, a little bit of a case of the Bogdans. He'll play a blinder one week and then give up a very stupid goal the next. He didn't. He doesn't have the howlers in him that Bogdan did, but he's making a lot of mistakes regardless. And I, I think he can get back to his form. I think, I mean, goalkeeping, like anything else, is a confidence thing. And he, he he's just not helped by the defense at all. Especially if you watch the, all of Brighton's three goals back, it, it was all very stupid mistakes. Like that first one, for example, I, I believe it was Dervit. He went out onto the wing, tried to play a long ball forward, gave it up straight away. It deflected off of Mark Davies back to another Brighton player, and they played the long ball to whoever it was that scored. I can't remember for the life of me, that first one. But um, Dervit was chasing the scorer and gave up the run, so it was just one-on-one with with, uh, Ben Amos. And I'm curious to see how many of the goals that we give up are in one-on-one situations, whereas versus deflections or just long shots from distance that he can do nothing about. It seems to me like it happens a lot of the time. Even that second goal against Brighton, that Zamora flick, it took, um, was it Hamid or uh, yeah. Kyle that scored? I think it was Hamid. Hamid, yeah. So yeah, Hamid scored that second one. He was in acres of space because nobody was following him. Everyone had their eyes on Zamora and whoever was to the right of Zamora. It's just... He, he's not given a chance by the defense. I mean, every single thing, almost every single goal he's given up recently has been in a one-on-one situation where he tries to make himself big, but they have the entire goal to shoot at. That's it. It's a thankless task being a Boltmunders goalkeeper at the best of times, but with this, this present defense, it's maybe uh, maybe worse than it ever was. Okay, that's, that's all very interesting. I hope he, he does get back to being the, the Ben Amos that we know he can be, because despite the slips of uh, maybe four to six weeks ago, I do think he's improved lately, and, and I hope he does make the best of it too. Um, right, well, just to finish off this segment, Rob, uh, obviously the official attendee, journalist in residence, whatever you want to call yourself, at the game yesterday. Can we survive and will we survive? Let me know your thoughts. And I'll come to each of you in turn as well if you want to get your thoughts in order on that same question. Uh, absolutely no chance. Um, I think we haven't won away for 10 months. Um, and if you're not going to win away, you're basically giving yourself no chance because our home form's okay, isn't it? It's not great, but... We're just not giving ourselves any hope on the road. I mean, we've got four of our next... I think four of our away games against four of the top eight. So we're not going to win any of those. So that's already no points from 12, 12 points. So yeah, We've only won four games in 32 as well. Exactly, so if you, extra, yeah. if you extrapolate that over a 46-game season, I think that takes you to about another two wins, which even if the season finished now when we had six more points, wouldn't be enough. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we've played. We've won games against Rotherham, and then just about beat Rotherham, who are a really crap team. And we we beat MK Dons, who are probably the worst away team ever to come to the Macron. Even though they beat Derby yesterday, how did that happen? But um, yeah, I don't think we've got a chance to be honest. I think we might pick up a couple of wins along the way, but um, based on yesterday, I don't see it at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tom, same question to you. Can we? Will we? Uh, I mean. It just looks very hard after yesterday's results. Um, every time we have a good home performance, it's just followed by a disappointment away from home. And it's just, yeah, we take one step forward, then two steps back. And I, 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 ju- I just think we do need to drop down and rebuild next season. Do you think there's a there's a call at this point in time when things do look desperate, more desperate than ever, than, uh, than looking to youth? Obviously, you know the, the academy, the, the reserve ranks a bit better than, than most of us do. Um, do you think there's a there's a call for, for sacking off the likes of Dan's, the ones that aren't going to be here next season, Spearing, Mark yeah. Davies? Just stop, just stop playing him and play someone else. Play Tom Walker, play, you know, dare I say it, Jamie Thomas or Sammy Zaddy. Um, well, I was looking at the... Uh, like I always started doing that weird uh, match match day squad thing on Twitter. Uh, there was twenty one people named in that, and I think seven of them were academy graduates. So like, 
I, I do uh, think that's I do think that's like quite a large amount anyway. Um, Tom, yeah, I, I think Tom Walker's probably due a run in the team. Um, in terms of centre midfielders, I'm not sure anyone from the reserves in that position I'd really trust to step up. Uh, but yeah, I think Tom Walker's probably due a, uh, running the team. As for Jamie Thomas and Sam um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, I don't think Jamie Thomas is ready to step up. Sam Izade, um well, it, it was a bit of a funny one, obviously. He flirted with that move to Derby County, which didn't quite happen, and then he came back and he scored in his first game for the under-18s, which is nice to see. And um, Yeah, I think him and Thomas are both players for next season more than anything. OK, fair enough. Uh, right, um, Steve, question, same question to you. Can we, will we? Well, I think the, the win last week gave us a glimmer of hope, but then with Bristol City beating Ipswich yesterday, seven points um, for the games that we've got coming up. You know, we, we barely beat Rotherham, we barely beat MK Dons. We gave Brighton a game yesterday, but it's, it's, you know, it's no good giving someone a game. You've got to get a point out of giving them a game. Uh, with our defence, as has been said before, you, you, know, you, might, you just give away two goals before you even start. So we haven't got a strike force. Um, I could probably score more goals than Emil Heskey, and I was a goalkeeper when I was uh, when I was playing football. So again, it's a, really it's a case of regrouping. It'll take it'll take a fucking miracle. It really, really would. Um, and you know the, the, the team that we've got, you know, it's just there's no miracles in there at all. They say giving giving youth a giving youth a chance. I I go down that line, you know, and see and see what they can do. Because there's, there's there's no point really in keeping the players that we've got in, in in that team. People like Dan's, people like Heskey, they're not going to be here next season. What's the point of even what's the point of playing them? They, they, they can be impact players coming off the bench if need be. But really, you've got to give you the chance now because there's no other way to go because that's the way it's going to be next season. Agreed. Uh, and so, Mark, to yourself, do you think that in a weird way, the the, the sort of the more adrift we get. The, the pressure comes off somewhat, and then that would maybe lead you to playing the the younger players. Would you would you go down that route, and, and or would you not? And do you think we can survive? I um, I don't see a problem with at least giving the younger players a couple minutes at the end of the game, especially if let's say we're down two 0 and we're just chasing at that point. Why not blood them? Give them ten minutes here or there, try to make something happen. At least give them a little bit of experience. We we never seem to do that much, and you see a lot of teams, especially in the Premier League, just playing their younger players as the game goes on if they either have a big lead or they're down a lot. Because those players need to get the experience at some point. They're not going to get that in the U18s. But as neither, for... do, neither, do we, neither do we loan them out as well so much, you know? I mean, you would have thought that someone like Jamie Thomas would be would be heading out to, you know, to who knows where, to Bury, to Rochdale, to places like that. It doesn't happen. I wonder how much value there is in a player like that going down to a team that far mm, down true, in the divisions. True. I mean, even um, sending pl- players to Plymouth Argyle, for example, that that did nothing for us. Notts County didn't do anything for us. Um, you still got those players in the reserves, not even pushing for a first team spot. But as for staying up, supporting Bolton has turned me into a pessimist. I'm not sure we can do mm-hmm. it. And th- the biggest worry is honestly that we've played pretty much all the teams around us, and either. We've won a couple of those games, but we've either drawn or lost everything else. We still have games coming up against, I think, Charlton, Bristol City, and Fulham on the last day. But apart from that, everybody else we play is pretty high above us. Yeah. It's grim, isn't it? It's very grim. I mean, from my own point of view, I think we've won we've won three of our four games since Christmas. Um, we've just been killed by the absolutely pathetic start we made to the season. And I just think it's too... Too little, too late. So I would, I would heartily endorse the uh, let's let's get rid of the players that have put us in this position in the first place, and let's just give other people a go. He, yeah. he, I don't think we can be any worse. He can't do any harm, and you never know. We may uncover a gem. Um, I mean, just to finish off this one, you mentioned uh, Tom. You mentioned Tom Walker earlier on. Do you have any any sort of insight or idea or thoughts or feelings or speculation or lies about why you think Walker might have been sidelined so much? I mean. It's only 12 months ago. He, he seemed like a pretty integral part of the team. He made about a dozen appearances on the spin. Um, yeah, it's a strange one, really. Um, 
I don't know, like, uh, like me personally, when I was watching him last season in the Championship, I thought, one woman. Yeah, I, uh, sorry about that. Uh, my mum just came <laughs> in my room. Um, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought he could have benefited from a uh, spell on loan in League One. Um, obviously, I think, yeah, I only remember him starting one game this season against Nottingham Forest, uh, and he was out on the right, which obviously, as a traditional winger who likes to just get down the line and cross the ball in, I don't think that really suited his game. And he was taken off at half-time, and then... Um, I don't know, maybe it's just one of these where Lennon says he's um, played within himself because, um, I mean, Lennon seemed to really rate him. I mean, but when he had like the fans for him early in the season, he was singing his praises. Um, I know, well, I've heard as well that the um, sort of academy staff and stuff, they, they really rate him. Like, um, they they think, you know, he could he could be really, really good. So, yeah, I don't really know what's happened there. Very, very strange. Well, well, we'll watch the situation with interest and, uh, and we'll, we'll no doubt talk about it again in the future. So great. Thank you, lads. Let's just have a short break for two seconds while I nip to the gents and then we'll come back and we'll have the, the debate to end all debates about Mr. Liam Feeney. So stay where you are. It's coming right after this. <laughs> Okay, dokie, welcome back to segment three of the Love Pod, episode 46. That's right, 46 weeks. Best part of 46 weeks. Anyway, I know we've missed a couple of weeks here and there. Who'd have thought it, eh? Wow. Anyway, mass debate. That's Ooh. right. I, must, I said mass debate. Um, we're going to raise a subject that's provoked a hell of a lot and provokes a hell of a lot of, of online tittle-tattle gossip, white knightism, keyboard warriorism, any kind of ism you can think of. We're going to talk about one Liam Beanie. Right, I'm going to set the question, and I want you all to, to give us your thoughts, your point of view, and we'll take it from there. Steve, you first. Is Liam Feeney a good footballer? <laughs> <laughs> there is no short answer to this question. Liam Feeney is a good footballer is a question I never thought anyone would ever ask me. It... <sighs> oh, <laughs> why'd you come to me first? <laughs> it's, it's a... Someone, someone in that club who's... And the someone is the manager must like him. Um, I don't know if he's a secret love child of Neil Lennon or not. I don't know. He's... <laughs> It can get forward, it can pass the ball. But I think we, I think we, um, that one-on-one yesterday just summed him up completely. Once he gets the football and he runs two yards forwards, he doesn't know what the hell to do with it. So and so he might just fire it straight at the goalkeeper. Is um, is a is a place on a team sheet because really there's hardly anybody else who's good enough to replace him, which is more which is more of a shocking indictment of the of the team that we've got. Other than rather than Liam Feeney, I would drop him if there was someone else available. But whether there is or not is a, is a moot point because <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's all it needs, isn't it? That's all it needs. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have a glass of wine while you you will discuss it now. Because I I need some of that. Because you come at me first, I need now to drink something to wash the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> On that bombshell, we'll come to Tom. Tom, same question to you, mate. Uh, Liam Feeney is to wingers what Chris Burke is to decent gentlemen. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, without getting back to the Chris Burke talk from last week, um, Liam Feeney. Well, um, right. You know what? I actually think Liam Feeney could be an asset next season in League One. Um, you know, he, <laughs> the other teams. No, um, no. Right. The thing is, he's he's just not cut out for this level, is he? And um, I mean, it's so blatantly obvious. And you you can point to, you know, people will point to the fact that he's, you know, scored four goals. He's assisted, however many. Um, but uh, every time he goes down that wing, you just know what he's going to do. 
And like I joke about it every time, and like he, he just does the same thing. He'll just go in, he'll do like a, he'll do like a step over, maybe two step overs. He'll just try and cut in on his left, and then if he, if he does get past the defender, he'll cross it, and it'll either hit the first man, or it'll hit Gary Medine on the head, and it'll go about fifty yards wide anyway. So I mean, it, it probably doesn't help that I mean he is crossing the balls for Gary Medine, but I mean as well, I mean Neil Lennon seems to think that Feeney can play up front as well for whatever reason and obviously against Brighton and a Hove Albion when he went one-on-one with the goalkeeper he could have put it anywhere and he just hit it straight at him so um, to answer your question is Liam Feeney a good footballer? No, he isn't No arguments there Rob, same question to you mate what, what advances on that? Um I find Liam Feeney a very frustrating footballer. Um, I think he shows glimpses of being a good footballer. Um, like, I can't remember who it is against, but he, he went past the bloke, whipped in an amazing cross. I think Medine knocked it in. And you're like, why doesn't he do this every week? But he doesn't do it every week, and that's the problem. He's not a good footballer because he's played every game this season. He's scored four goals, and he's got five assists. That's nine. Nine goals he's been involved in all season. It's awful. He's he's just a terrible ranger. <laughs> and it showed that yesterday. And he was he was playing on the right and he wasn't even playing on the wing. He was playing like a kind of weird inside forward in between Heskey and the wing. It's like go wide, go down the line, hit the ball in the box. He wasn't doing it and Yeah. I just I think someone else needs a chance. I just don't want him playing for us anymore. <laughs> I completely agree. Mark, where do you stand on the debate? And Steve, I'm still gonna come back to you, so get get drinking. <laughs> I think he's unbelievably basic and unbelievably frustrating. Like, you know that he can whip a ball in, but he tries to do a little too much. He like, he tries these stepovers here and there, and they're not fooling anyone. They look stupid as hell. <laughs> but that first goal yesterday, I think, summed him up a lot. He cut in, found Silva on the left wing, and then when Wellington Silva went to cross the ball back in, swing... Uh, Feeney swung and missed, and the ball fell to Heskey. Heskey scored. Yeah. But if Feeney had made contact, you know he would have skied that. Without question. Without question. Yeah, I don't think he's a good footballer. And I don't think he's good enough for this level. But he might do a job next year if we go down. I hope not. I hope not too. Right, Steve, you're on your your 30-second countdown. I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to chip him on my own point of view. Obviously, I, I made it well known. I, I don't rate the guy. I, I think his work rate, which he's often lauded for, is a myth. I, I think the fact that he's down as a master assist maker is a lot of bollocks because, let's face it, anyone can chuck in a hopeful cross and whether it goes in or whether it doesn't go in doesn't make you a better footballer or not. Uh, 30 appearances, four goals. I guess if you're talking about the uh, who's the tallest dwarf in the squad, I guess he is the tallest. But at the same at the same count, he's been part of the worst Bolton Wanderers side I've ever seen, and the fact he's played every week means he's been a major part of the worst Bolton Wanderers side I've ever seen. So I don't care if we stay up, I don't care if we go down, as long as that dickhead is not playing for us next season. Right, <laughs> let's go, Mr. Connolly. Let's go. Liam Feeney's part. I think was he? He's like the fifth longest serving player we've got as well. You know, behind. Yeah, and Prattley, Mark Davis, Wheats, um, Dans, and Jay Spearing, which is, you know, he's only been here about, what, two and a half years. And I think what I used to say um, when I used to write for, uh, for another um, blog, uh, whose name I forget, is that I had, a, I, I had an issue with Darren Prattley when in, in the Premier League, and it's always used to say that he could perform at, he could perform at a lower level. We got him from a lower level. There's a reason why Swansea let Darren Prattley go. It wasn't because uh, Bolton could offer him something better. It's because they didn't want him. And that's the thing that I get, and I forget which one of you boys just said it, about him playing at a lower level. There is, a, there is something there about him that, might be, that may be worthwhile keeping him on next season, just like Darren Prattley, who's give or take... You, you know, six or seven bad games that he's had, to my to my mind, is is at the level, the right level that he's at. Might not be a captain, God said, but is 
is, is a worthwhile championship player. Rafinha is a worthwhile League One player. So whilst he's not a good player in the championship, he might be an average player in League One. So I think he might be worthwhile keeping on, as long as he takes like a £15,000 a week pay cut. Agreed. There's always something to be said for pace. And, and if he has got anything else, he's fast. And so you never know, do you, that... Uh... That, that that sort of dropping level may well bring out a different side to Feeney, one that's more consistent and one that's more agreeable to me. Um, pigs might fly, but you never know. You never know. Um, right, anything else to say, lads, on Liam Feeney? I think we've settled it once and for all there. Unequivocal, but let there have never be anything else said. Uh, five to zero, Liam Feeney is a bag of shite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take a break before talking about QPR, but I feel like we should dive straight into that particular one. QPR's upcoming on Saturday, the first of a series of very, very tough games for the lads. Very tough indeed. Um, okay, so no Charlie Austin for QPR. Obviously, he's been gone for a little bit now, moving on to Southampton. They're in pretty poor form themselves. Since Hasselbank came in, they've only won twice in, in the best part of a dozen games, uh, drawing seven. So very similar to us, the team unable to convert anything into a victory. They lost 3-1 at home to Fulham at the weekend. Um it's going to be a tough game, no doubt about it, purely because because we're shit. Um, but, Tom, come to you straight away on that one. How do you think we're going to get on against QPR and, and what sort of changes, if any, would you make to the team that we uh, that we saw at the weekend against Brighton? Um, changes to the team. Uh, well, hopefully Dean Moxie will be back. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Dorian David dropped. Um, I mean... Yeah, I'd love to see anyone at centre back other than Dorian Devitt. Um I mean, I wouldn't be completely against Mark Davis not being in the team. Um, whether that means moving Josh Vella back into midfield and um, bringing lovely haired Laurie Wilson back into the team. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I would like to see. Maybe maybe Zach Clough start. Um, I'm I'm not sure of the formation though because I'm I'm hoping. Well, it it feels weird that I'm saying I hope Gary Medine's fit, and I I, I I'm not saying I hope Gary Medine's fit in the sense that like yeah, Gary Medine's gonna play him. He just can last longer than Heskey, and like as as much as I'd love to say Clough can play up front in his own, he can't. So. Um, I'm thinking Medina will be back in, Clough might start. Um, we all know, though, that it isn't going to be Feeney who drops to the bench, it will be Wellington Silva, and it will cause much uproar in the fans. Fully agree, it's depressingly predictable, isn't it, Rob? I mean, after the after the, um, the, the game on Saturday, obviously the one that you, you attended, what was the prevailing thought amongst the fans in, in attendance there themselves? Was it... A question of Lennon starting with the wrong team, or, or was it a question of leaving his subs too late, perhaps being on the wrong subs? Um, would you learn any lessons from Saturday and take them into the uh, the QPR game? I think, given the players available, you probably started with the right team that I would have picked. I mean, we didn't have a left back, so it didn't it wasn't really help there. Um, but I think this weekend, I would drop. Well, I would drop Feeney and bring in um, maybe Woolery on the right. Um, I'd also drop Mark Davis and bring in Clough and play Clough just off uh, Gary Medine. And I don't know if Trotter's going to be back this weekend or not, but um, maybe Trotter and... No, Spearing played really well, actually. So Spearing and Prattley in midfield. Um, yeah, I think I'd do that. Um, as long as Mark Davis is nowhere near the team, I'll be quite happy, based on yesterday. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Um Mark, just wondering, in your opinion, do you see Clough's long-term future? I mean, obviously, we don't think he's probably not going to be at Bolton, but do you think he's going to be a, a striker in the purest sense, or do you think the more sort of support role is better suited for him, given his stature? I think more of the support role, playing just behind the striker. Um, I think he can create a lot more than he can actually... He's a decent finisher, but I think his, his strength is in actually creating something and making something happen. Yeah, agree fully. Uh, okay, uh, Steve. Then to, to finish off the sequence with yourself, um, we're playing QPR. They've been a bit of a bogey team of late um, against us. We, we lost, I think, under Redknapp the year before, and obviously we have a poor result at, at QPR at Loftus Road early on in the season. Uh, how do you see the game going, uh, and what sort of changes would you make if you're in charge? 
Well, I think there was like you said that QPR are on a, on a strange run themselves. I mean, Hasselbank was brought in um, to to get them to kick on. He's won two games in twelve. But uh, Bolton being Bolton, um, we will be the team that uh, that kickstarts the rest of their season because that's just the way that it always goes. And then was um, we the, the the year that we were first um, the, the last year in the Premier League. Uh, when we were first after the uh, after the first game after after crucifying them four nil at four uh, one at Loftus Road. Um, after that, since then, obviously, like you say, we have been the bogey team. I can't see us getting anything out of the game simply because um, we we just do not perform well against them at all since that since that game. Um, as for changes, like as the boy said, you probably bring, bring back in Clough and get rid of one of either uh, Feeney or um, or Mark Davis. Which one, you know, we might as well just toss it up and uh, see which way the coin lands. Tross has been playing well, you know, so you could bring him in as well and just, just solidify the midfield alongside Spearing because Spearing's been playing well. The Spearing appears to have suddenly got his shooting boots on. So he, he, he could nick the odd goal. But like I said before, you know, with our defence, you've just given them two goals before you even start. So I think it's a, it's a lose-lose. I love being pessimistic. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm not an awesome optimistic guy, but this this podcast has really made me feel suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to help. You know, we always bring out the inner the inner Bolton one just fan amongst us all. I, I can I can see us getting a point, maybe at best. It's got to the point now where we're going to the games. You're doing it out of obligation and duty rather than any particular desire or joy. Um, fingers crossed that changes soon, but I, I think that's pretty unlikely to happen on Saturday, given the. Given the terrible run of games we've got upcoming as well, we've got no choice but to win. But I think it's going to be a tough ask. QPR can be playing as poorly as they like, but as Steve said, historically, if you're a team outside you want to be playing against, it's Bolton Wanderers, and, and that's never changed in the last 25 years, and it doesn't matter who's in charge. So, yeah, on that positive note, I'm going to come to you all for a score prediction. Steve, we'll come straight back to you mid-swig. 3-1 to them. <laughs> Mark? I've got one one. Okay, that's 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 as positive as we're gonna get off here. Uh Rob. Um I'm gonna go two one Bolton. A surge of positivity. A surge of positivity mixed in with a load of high strength lager, I expect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom score prediction. Uh two two. Oh, an exciting game then. I presume we'll be we'll be we'll be tuning it up in the last yeah, minute before yeah. it ends up ends up to yeah. a piece. Yeah? yeah, that's more like it. Yeah, I'm going to go with a two as well, but I think we'll be we'll lose two one. We'll probably score first. They'll come off Esky's arse or something, and then uh, then they'll come in and we'll maybe let's go with a Feeney on goal in the last minute just to cut <laughs> things off beautifully. Well, on that on that bombshell, I'm going to go and throw myself out of the top window. But we will take a short break before we come back and discuss the Twitter question of the week. So again, just hang on with us. We shan't be at a moment or two. Welcome back, everybody. It's the uh, the, final, the fifth and final segment of Love Pod 46. Uh, I'm still Chris, he's still Tommy, he's still Robbie, he's still Mark, and he's still Steve. I've got them all in the right order, I think. Uh, Twitter question of the week. Can Bolton earn six points on their next two home games against QPR and Burnley? We'll go through the answers in, uh, in, in a reasonable sort of order. We had a bit of a, a unique one from Ian Firth at Super White Smurf on Twitter, which, didn't, which passed over my head. A um, bit like the blokes wearing red shirts in Star Trek. Scriptwriter could let them live, but you know it just ain't happening. Does anybody care to explain that one to me? Because I don't know what the hell that's on about with Star Trek. I've never watched Star Trek. No, no I've idea. thought as much. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, all right, then I'll do it. So basically, Go ahead. Uh, basically um, you've got the three blows. You've got Captain Kurt, Mr. Spock and Dr. McCoy. Uh, they, they beam down from the uh, Starship Enterprise and you always have two blokes in red shirts uh, that beam down with them. And when they beam up to the Enterprise, there's just Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock and Dr. McCoy because the two guys in the red shirts have um, have been gruesomely killed by whatever creature is on the planet every single week. And usually it's the same <laughs> actor as well. But, you know, it's just uh, it's every single week it's the guys in the red shirts. So right, OK. That, okay. There, there's your comprehensive Star Trek answer. Fantastic, uh, fantastic. Anyone that's still none the wiser, you know who to tweet on uh, to get further explanation and clarification on that point. Brilliant. Yeah, Ian, I think that's that's a good point. It's uh, it's possible, isn't it? But I guess in the in, in, back in the pigs might fly category. Uh, Daniel Scott, at Daniel Scott, 
Very nice Twitter handle there, very creative. If Wellington plays 90 minutes and Heskey zero, we stand a chance. Otherwise, no. David Hallsworth at Hallsworth BWFC. Should be looking at a minimum of four. QPR and out special, and we should be looking to get a point for Burnley. So, again, glass half full approach there. Uh, D Manning 1983. Oh, interesting surname. Uh, probably not. Yep. I think uh, in the spirit of brotherly love, I would agree with that as well. Chris McKeon, um, at four points would be a miracle. And then we've got the erudite Russell Fox and Theo Joseph, who've both said no. Straightforward enough. Uh, I'm in the uh, the no camp as well. I, I think if we can take three points from the two games, I'd be delighted and I'd be very, very surprised. Um, oh, hang on. What's this? I've missed a tweet from a Quentin X with an underscore at the end there. Uh, if this happens, I will gladly show my arse in the window of Bolton Woolworths. Steve, you're being a bit bit mischievous there, aren't you, with that one? We all know there's no Woolworths in Bolton anymore, you scoundrel. I'm sure we could arrange it for the window of home bargains or something like that instead, if you wish. If it's, if it's home bargains, um, I would need a bigger window. <laughs> Best shop in the world. Rob, we'll come to you. Do you think we could get, possibly, in some sort of weird parallel universe, six points from the next two home games? I think it's a cat and health chance. Um... <laughs> I think we'll be. I think we've got a chance of beating QPR, but I don't see us beating Burnley. I think they've been on pretty decent form, haven't they? And yeah, I think they're a much better team than us. So I don't know. You don't know. Well, thank you for that committal answer, my friend. That's why we've got go. you on here I to answer the question. I said I'll go. No, I said I didn't. Oh. I say no. <laughs> my apologies, my <laughs> I'm casting this version to the character. Tom, next two home games. How many points do you think we'll come out with? One, uh, like I say, I think I, I do. I, I do think we'll get a point this weekend. Um, but Burnley. Well, I was. I actually went to a Burnley game the other week when I was on work experience, and um, they're, they're just a very impressive team, and they just seem to be. They're, they're on another level to us, so I just don't think we can get anything from that. But I'd love to be proved wrong. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would be to be proved wrong as well. But, uh, I'm going to go down with the uh, the zero points. Definitely going to go down that route. Not going to change my mind once. Mark, uh, next two games very very tough. Um, opponents at different ends of the spectrum in terms of form and and in terms of where they are in the table. Uh, what are you, what's your uh, your thinking? What do you think we're going to be after these two games? Further in the mire or maybe a little bit closer to getting out of it? If you offered me three points right now, I'd snatch your hands off. I'd be very happy with that. I don't think six is possible. No, I think I think we would all be in, in full agreement there. And Steve, to finish off this lovely podcast, this lovely segment, uh, give us your different way of saying zero to the rest of us. We will be lucky to get zero. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints, they, no arguments there. If they could give minus points, what we're going to... We're probably... I mean, it just pains me. It pains me so much. But um, we're, we're going to get... I mean, we're, we're probably going to get nothing against Burnley. No goals. Um, I'd be surprised if we got a shot on target. Um, but, uh, you know, QPR, I mean, I did say 3-1. Uh, I'd, I'd be happy if we got a, I'd be happy if we got a point from that. But, you know, the, major, the most we're going to get is one. But we're going to get zero. We're going to get, get so zero, it's, <laughs> it's going to be the biggest zero you could possibly ever get. It's going to redefine what nothingness is. Yeah, it's like the um, it's like uh, Dick Dassley's car. Dick Dassley's car in Wacky Races, double zero. <laughs> there you go, the love pod redefining the, the laws of physics and the boundaries of the known universe for your listening pleasure. Well, on that bombshell, we'll we'll call it a night for tonight, lads. I'm very grateful for all your presence here, Rob, Mark, Steve, and Tom. It's all been delightful. Uh, where can we find you all on the internet if you want to further these discussions? Uh, Steve, I'll come to you last on that one, just to give in case you want to give somebody else's Twitter address. But Rob, where can people find you on the internet, pal? I'm on Twitter at Robbie Laz. Excellent, Tom. I am at everywhere at Tom Malloy. Super, Mark. Also everywhere at Mark Y W H Y Y. Thank you very much, and Steve. Uh, you can find me at Emma Davis sixty eight. <laughs> 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 at uh, that Quentin X underscore. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, it's been great having you all on, and, uh, and hopefully you'll all be not we won't be strangers to the podcast. You're all welcome back anytime. So that'll do for for another week. Uh, I'm at nineteen manning eighty three on Twitter, as you well know. Um, visit on iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We, all your uh, your support and patronage is all very much appreciated. So we'll be back next weekend to discuss the uh, the QPR debacle, shall we say? I uh, hope you have a pleasant week, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening.